McFly, really, really excited to have you on the base space. My name is Mewtwo. I'm the founder of the space. And uh, I'm joined with my two co-hosts, Super High and Chase. Hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Hey, welcome to the base space. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of, of course. Of course. Um, really, really interested to have you um, on the show. I, I wasn't too familiar uh, before this episode of what MPH was all about, but I saw you guys were being featured at SmartCon and I uh, started diving deeper into the project and uh, really, really excited to have you, uh, have you come on and, t- and talk to us. Yep, yeah, um, really excited to, to present what we are, we are cooking, uh, a lot of news for, for the coming days, weeks. Um, we are releasing a new version, improving all of that. So yeah, really exciting time. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, for any for anyone new that I always have on the show, I always ask, like, how'd you how'd you originally get into crypto? Mm, can you repeat that? Uh, how did you originally get into the crypto space? Oh yeah, so we started. Uh, I started uh, working with uh, my co-founder Zefram uh, late 2017. Um, we were originally we were working on on-chain asset management. Basically, we were trying to build hedge fund on-chain, um, where there would there was investors, there was managers, and every, everything was permissionless. The name of the project was Bitoken dot fund. Um, so it was, yeah, the first project before DeFi was named DeFi. I think uh, it was like really like the early, early beginning of this space. So we were trying to, to, to get that on mainnet. Uh, we, we succeeded to do that on mainnet, uh, but uh, market fit uh, and having the right ingredients at that time wasn't a really a reality. So after that, we continued working together uh, on other stuff like DAO related things, DAO, um, Fantastic 12. Uh, we were working on this project where you were able to create DAO directly on a Discord channel or Discord server. Um, and after that, we moved to in October 2019, if I remember well, uh, we started working on the draft uh, for 88MPH. Uh, and at that time, uh, we were trying to basically distribute future yield uh, to our users. Um, so it was future fixed yield to our users. Uh, but after, yeah, we iterated a lot on that until um, um, I think it was end of March 2020 when we released the first mainnet version of 88MPH. It was the V0. Um, and yeah, from there, after we continued iterating on that, we got a grant from Ave to help us with security audit during the summer of 2020. Um, it took us some time to kind of revisit what we were thinking in terms of how to structure a launch, how to structure a community around the project. So we basically uh, Revrod, re-architectures re- everything, um, and we launched the V1 of 88MPH in November 2020. Uh, and we can say it's the official launch of what you can see right now on, uh, on 88MPH.app. So before it was like kind of a research phase, and right now it's more like the production phase since uh, last November 2020. 
Oh, that's really, really exciting. Um, thanks, to, thanks for kind of reviewing the entire history of the project and, and how you got into, into crypto. Um, I mean, at a, very, at a very high level for people that are new to uh, the crypto space, you kind of cover like what ADE MPH um, is all about. Yep. So the main product we are offering is a fixed interest rate, a fixed yield with fixed terms. Uh, so basically, we are offering this fixed yield on stable coins and crypto. So you deposit, let's say, some USDC, you deposit them on 88MPH. Uh, and after a custom maturity, a custom duration, uh, your deposit, uh, you can withdraw it with uh, some interest that you, you have earned so far. So it's between the maturity right now, it will be between uh, one day and one year. Uh, and you select the maturity you want, meaning maturity mean the duration uh, of the lock of your money on 88MPH. So basically you can see it as a deposit account where you put your capital, um, it generates some interest, and at the end you withdraw your funds plus the interest generated so far. So for doing that, what we do is basically we are pooling the funds of our users and we are depositing that fund into underlying lending protocol like Aave or Compound, where we earn the market rate, the current market rate, so it's a volatile rate. Um, and from this market rate, what we do is we pull a 30-day exponential moving average and we give a fraction of this exponential moving average to our users as a fixed interest rate. So it's yeah the basic overview of what we do at 88MPH. Uh, maybe after we can we will uh, dive deeper into details. Uh, but I hope it makes sense for you right now. No, no, that that, that does make sense. Um, super interesting. Any questions about that general? process yeah i think uh i think this would be like a good transition into actually going over like the general overview of the different bonds um that mph offers mm -hmm. uh mcfly could you yep. touch on so, zero coupon bonds um and how that works mm -hmm. with the protocol yeah so uh, before diving into this uh just um to give context to our listeners uh, we are in a transition at 88MPH between the current version you have on mainnet, the V2, and the V3 that is right now available at 88MPH.app/rinkaby. So it's the Rinkaby testnet where you can see what we are cooking for the V3. Um, so to don't make everyone, to don't confuse everyone, I will just refer to the V3 right now. Uh, because there are small differences between uh, the V2 and the V3 regarding, like, for example, zero coupon bonds. Um, so in V3, the zero coupon bonds, um, we wanted to get rid of every financial lingo, jargon, and complex stuff that not a lot of people understand. Zero coupon bonds is not something that you are aware maybe in your daily, daily routine. Uh, so we wanted to kind of hide the complexity of this kind of financial terms to our users in the user experience on V3. So we 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 call that preset maturity. That means that when you have a zero coupon bond, basically you are buying crypto on discount. Uh, let's say uh, you want to buy uh, some DAI. The value of one DAI is 
$1, but with a zero coupon bond, you are able to buy it at 90 cents, for example. That And when the zero coupon bond mature, you will be able to redeem the underlying value uh, for one one. So you will be able to uh, redeem $1. Um, so for this reason, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this thing like a discount on crypto because you are buying cheaper and you are able to redeem at the one one value at, at maturity. So basically that's the concept of zero coupon bonds. You need to wait until the bond mature to be able to withdraw the underlying value, the full face value of the bond. So in 88MPH, uh, it's basically working like in traditional finance for this kind of thing, uh, except that we just say to our users when they want to deposit 100 DAI, for example, we just say, oh, you can select a custom maturity between one day and 365 days, or you can select a preset maturity. Let's say you want uh, that your deposit mature in February 2022. So when they select a preset maturity, it will be a zero coupon bond under the hood, but we are not telling them. But basically at the end, it's the same thing. You are getting a fixed yield on your, on your, on your fund. So yeah, it's the overview of the, the way we do zero coupon bond at 88MPH. Uh, currently, we are not offering the zero coupon bonds for every asset supported on 88MPH v2. There was just uh, uni, the uni pool the, for the uni token with uh, some uh, time series uh, for the zero coupon bonds. Uh, one was in August 2021, the other one is in March 20, February 2022, if I remember correctly. And the other one was for a free, free CRV uh, zero coupon bonds. And in V3, basically, we will try to offer zero coupon bonds for every uh, assets we are we are supporting currently we are supporting around a dozen of uh, different assets usdc die uh different version of uh, bitcoin if uh, link and uh, and over and uh, yeah uni for example does that make sense <laughs> I hope. yeah no completely does thank you for diving into that um Hey, McFly, kind of switching to a uh, fixed interest rate uh, bonds. So since you guys use Chainlink for your smart contracts, does that mean that your uh, your fixed interest rate won't change unless voted upon by the Dow? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You you are asking me, it was cutting, sorry. Uh, you are asking me uh, with the, v, the upcoming V3 if the way of doing the fixed interest rate stuff will change. That's it? Yes. Okay, yeah. So the, the only change we will have uh, for the earlier release of V3 uh, regarding the fixed interest rate will be the percentage of the 30-day exponential moving average we are offering to our end users. So right now on V2, we were offering 50% of the 30-day exponential moving average we were able to pull from Compound or Aave. Uh, so let's say, for example, a quick example, uh, the 30-day exponential moving right now on the DAI uh, pool on Compound uh, it's uh, 10%. So if you want to deposit on 88MPH, you will get just half of that in fixed interest rate. So you will get 5% fixed interest rate on your DAI um, for whatever duration. 
it could be a deposit for seven days, uh, the maturity will be in seven days, or the maturity will be in one year, in one year. it doesn't change anything. But in V3, uh, we are changing a bit the way we distribute the fixed interest rate. We are a bit more generous with people who select a maturity of, let's say, seven days or one month. So for short-term maturity, we are more generous. We are distributing around 50, uh, 70, 75% of a 30-day exponential moving average on whatever asset uh, you, you deposit. But for uh, long-term uh, duration, for maturity, let's say, of one year, we will offer just 25% of a 30-day exponential moving average. The reason why we are doing that is because we don't have any crystal ball and we can't really predict what happened in one year in terms of uh, market rate on compound or Aave, it's highly unpredictable. So we are kind of like shaping the risk management uh, we can have regarding solvency for each pool by being a bit more conservative for uh, the long-term deposit. That doesn't mean that you can't play around this kind of uh, new way of doing things. Let's say you can right now just deposit uh, every seven day and you just roll over your deposit. So that's also a novelty into 88 mph v3. You will be able to top up the same deposit. You will be able to roll over your deposit with uh, interest generated. You will be able to compound this uh, interest uh, on the, the rollover. So there is way to play, play around this kind of things. But at least for us, uh, internally, it will be more comfortable for managing, uh, yeah, re financial risk. Sweet, thank you. Um, could you also explain the two different types of de-risking mechanisms? Yep, sure. So um, we have like the first line, like we have different line, different layer of de-risking what we are currently doing. Um, the first one is basically being sure that we offer the best yield to our users, the best fixed interest yield to our users without taking too much risk. So the first line of uh, defense regarding uh, financial risk is having an uh, interest oracle that offers the best yield to our users without taking too much risk for us. So that means also that, let's say you are depositing for seven days, uh, some die on 88 MPH, you will get 75% of this 30-day exponential moving average. Um, that means also that we are able to offer kind of a profit margin for users who want to speculate on the future yield of that pool via what we name right now the yield token. So the yield token, uh, we are allowing someone to buy basically the fixed interest rate we are promising to someone and in like in exchange, he will be able to earn the yield on the user deposit plus its initial investment for the, the yield token uh, you just purchased. So you can think about that like uh, we are outsourcing the risk uh, to someone else in terms of insolvency. And we offer at the same time a certain amount of profit margin because we are not giving uh, to our user 100% of the 30-day exponential moving. I suppose it's a bit um, like when I explain it like that, um, uh, maybe it's not really simple to grasp the, the concept around that. Uh, but basically, we are like yeah, the, the yield token will allow us 
and is allowing us to um, allow someone to speculate on the future yield, but also, for example, if you have uh, you are a borrower of DAI on compound, uh, and you have a cost related to this uh, this loan you are doing on compound, you are able also to edge uh, your borrowing cost with by buying a yield token on liquid and pH. Um, so at the end, it's a speculative tool that helps ATT and PH, their risk, uh, and be more uh, having a better solvency ratio at the end. Um, it doesn't mean that if nobody buys the yield token, the system doesn't work. It's just another layer to improve the solvency of each pool. It doesn't mean that nobody happens if nobody buys it, but it's just, it, does, it just means that it's a bit more risky if one pool has too much yield token available for purchase. So the yield token is for the V3. Uh, on V2, we were naming the yield token floating rate bonds. So it's what you can see on, um, on the current uh, V2 on mainnet. And if you take a look at the different, different uh, floating rate bonds pool we have currently on V2, you will see that some of the pools don't have any floating rate bonds available for purchase. What does it mean is two, two conditions are there was everyone bought the floating rate bond. So that means that the pool is uh, kind of 100% solvent. Uh, like we are close to being 100% uh, uh, solvent on everything. Um, the other reason why there is no uh, floating rate bond available is because the pool is generating more yield than what 88 MPH is promising to their uh, depositors, their end user who are earning fixed interest rate. So there is two conditions where we can kind of offer these floating rate bonds, yield token things. Um, so that's the two main mechanism. After that is more yeah, about like managing uh, dynamically the, sur the surplus of one pool with another. Uh, in V3, we will be able to do that, redistribute uh, the, the surplus of one pool to another to kind of uh, rebalance the, the solvency ratio of each pool. Um, you, you can see it at MPH, like a bank. Uh, at the end, a bank, uh, everyone trusts the bank if they stay solvent, if they are able to uh, manage correctly your money, if they are able to offer you the best yield. And if there is a bank run, they can manage the bank run at 100%. Everyone at the end is happy. So uh, it's what we are trying to do here is uh, making something that is really offering one of the best yield probably not the best, but one of the best here. At a large scale, you can deposit 100 million right now on 88 pH. The system doesn't break. We are able to onboard this amount of money. So it's scalable, it's liquid, it's solvent, and it's profitable for everyone at the end because 88 MPH is offering 100% uh, of a protocol revenue to, to the MPH stakers. Uh, but maybe I will stop here because I'm uh, I'm talking too much. So don't hesitate to stop me when I'm explaining that. No, you're good. Um, I I personally, it, it's kind of going over my head a little bit. Um, that so I I like the the long explanation because it you know helps me understand. But thank you for that in depth analysis. And uh, Chase, did you have a question? I saw you. Yeah, me. I just want to hop in because I just want to kind of do a summary as well. Uh, maybe it's I haven't had my coffee. It's a little too early, but I just want to make sure I'm understanding this <laughs> reply. Um, so 
you kind of have you have several different relationships in total, but between fixed rate interest bonds and floating rate bonds, um, essentially a fixed rate interest bond is somebody who's a little bit more risk adverse and wants that uh, that same yield time after time that they can depend on. And that's one side of the pool. And the other side of the pool is the floating rate bond, which is a little bit more variable in, in the payout and interest that you'll receive or the, the return you'll receive. And so that's a little bit more for people who are a little bit more riskier, if you will, um, and willing to take a gamble yeah. on the yield that they make. And between those two, that's how you can balance out the pools. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a little bit more sense. Um, so, what happens if eighty-eight MPH fails to de-risk the uh, fixed in- fixed interest rate bonds and become insolvent? So, yeah, there is uh, there is this thing where um, not everyone is uh, maturing at the same time in uh, each eighty-eight MPH pool. So, there is like a bank, like there is always a rollover of oh. You you want to redraw right now. There is another one who want to redraw in one month. There is another one who want to redraw at one one month later. So, like the way ATMPH is working, like hopefully uh, since uh, the launch in November 2020, uh, we didn't have any of these uh, kind of events where we we have an impermanent insolvency. Uh, currently, it's it will be always kind of like impermanent insolvency if that thing happen. Uh, like, let's say there is, uh, we are offering 5% on die right now. And for the next five years uh, on compound, the floating rate for die will be, let's say, 1%. Um, so we will be able to kind of uh, flatten this kind of risk by offering uh, with a 30-day exponential moving average, we will kind of slowly decrease the amount we are able to offer to everyone who is onboarding after, uh, like in one month, the month after, the month after, uh, and also make the best of the floating rate bonds, this famous yield token on V3. Uh, it will be always with this profit margin. We are not offering the, f- the full amount of the 30-day exponential moving average. So there is always a buffer, if I can say like that, of security between what we are promising to our end users and what the yield token is able to harvest in terms of uh, profitability when they are financing this, uh, this uh, system deficit uh, in 88 MPH. So it's, it's kind of like sometimes if, let's say, the, the, the worst case scenario, uh, there is an insolvency event in one pool. That means that for some time, the user won't be able to withdraw his full amount for some reason. For example, the floating rate on compound is really low for too much time. Uh, what happens is you just need to wait a bit more to have uh, the pullet fund generating a bit more interest to be able to withdraw your money after that. Um, but, you know, this is something where, uh, except if there is a bank run and 100% of the user want to withdraw their fund, maybe there will be a risk of a permanent insolvency in that case. Uh, but uh, if we are able to uh, offer the best yield for the yield token buyers. There will be always a demand for that. And 
from our experience since November 2020, so far, the majority of the pools in 88 MPH, the V2, the, the floating rate bonds are uh, always uh, bought. So there is always someone who is taking the risk uh, with us uh, regarding to, to kind of speculate on the future yield and at the same time protecting the risking everyone in the community. So if you are like seeing it on, on V2 right now, you will see that the majority of the pool have no floating rate bonds available for purchase. So with the yield token on V3, we are doing a, a better job at offering a better user experience for everyone. You, they are uh, fungible on, um, on V3, is not the case on V2. Uh, you are able to buy just a fraction of a floating rate bond on, on V3. On V2, it wasn't possible. So we are trying to make everything more liquid, everything more fungible, because uh, we are using um, ERC1155 for the yield token on V3. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, we are kind of like making sure that this thing is bought and people can speculate and at the same time uh, protect everyone in uh, 88 MPH. So yeah, that's, that's at least, that was the concept at the beginning. And from what we see in reality, this kind of thing is working. So I will say as far as we are able to offer uh, a certain profit margin at the beginning when someone buy the yield token, uh, it will be always kind of attractive for them. Um, if it's not enough attractive for some market uh, conditions, uh, we are also offering some MPH rewards uh, for people buying the yield token. So if we see, for example, in one pool that there is not a huge demand for the yield token, uh, we can always decide to boost the, the yield to this yield token pool with some MPH reward on top of that. So basically boosting a bit the yield uh, to incentivize someone to, to, to buy it. So there's, yeah, these different layers of uh, incentives and their risking to protect everyone at the end. So yeah, I, I mean, it's not the perfect solution, uh, but so far uh, it's working as expected. So it, we are like pretty happy with that because it allow us to offer uh, a scalability to the system uh, compared to other who are like also offering fixed interest rate. Uh, it's, uh, we, are don't, we don't have any liquidity issue. We don't need to buy any liquidity pool to make this thing work. So we prefer to have this kind of um, uh, equations with different variable inside, not the perfect for solution for each variable in the equation, but at the end of the day, uh, it's the best one, uh, it's the best compromise to offer this kind of product to our end users with this kind of best yield, scalability, liquidity, solvency, and profitability. Chase, I see if you're, yeah. uh, your mic unmuted. Yeah, McLeod, I was just curious. Um, do you happen to know kind of like offhand what the APY is currently for like kind of a six month period or, or um, I don't know if you guys have a full date on an entire year right now. I, I would imagine it may be a little skewed with how early it is. Uh, but I'd just be curious to see how this compares with the current bond rates in Europe. Because I know a lot of bond rates in Europe are, are negative right now. And so um, I'm just curious if there's been any like corporate treasuries that have been reaching out to you guys and are interested in this. Because I feel like from a game theory perspective, um, the rates are going to be a lot more competitive than what's currently on the market. 
and I could see a, a large shift start to occur onto uh, protocols like yourself from from corporations. Yeah, so the goal with uh, with a V3 is to allow developers to build on top of us and allow also like uh, governance treasury to deploy some capital or other protocol applications to deploy capital directly uh, on 88MPH. Um, it was really, uh, there was a lot of accountancy burden, if I can say like that, for someone who wanted to build something on V2. We got a lot of uh, feedbacks from developers asking us, oh, is there an, another way to do to do this uh, really simple, like a, a simple way of doing that? And we were like deeply sorry because uh, it was too much, yeah, too much complexity to manage the accountancy when you wanted to deploy uh, some capital on 88MPH under the wood, like an application or uh, someone who is managing a centralized finance product or a fintech wanted to deploy some funds from their user base. It was kind of really hard. Some people did, but it was kind of, yeah, a lot of work. So with a V3, we, the main focus with the V3 was to rewrite the core product uh, and make sure that the user experience for developers was as easy as it is to build on Aave or Compound right now. So I, I think we, we met that goal. Um, and right now what we try to do uh, is to talk with many guys, many protocols, many uh, product managers who are working in CeFi uh, or DeFi uh, to see how we can cooperate, uh, corporate, co collaborate together. Um, one example uh, is, uh, for example, there is um, uh, Cresco Finance in Switzerland. Uh, they plan to do, uh, their product is basically onboarding fiat money into their system. They will mint their own stable coins for uh, Swiss franc, dollar, euro. Um, and after that, uh, they can deploy these stable coins on different applications like 88MPH, like Compound and others, and they will offer a yield to their end users and they can withdraw in fiat money at the end. And everything is, is insured uh, by Lloyds. Um, so yeah, the goal is to work with this kind of product. Uh, because it's it, it what make like it's the next evolution for everyone, I suppose. Um, and uh, as we see, like the lat latest news, what we see right now, everyone kind of start to be afraid of uh, legal action, regulators. Uh, oh my God! Oh, we'll do KYC for our end users. Uh, so I think Cresco Finance, this kind of uh, or Nexo or Block Finance or BlockFi or others. Uh, they are kind of the next uh, onboarding bridge uh, for uh, users who are not willing to deposit directly into DeFi protocol, but who are interested by this kind of yields. We will see. I think it will take a bit of time, maybe uh, like one or two years, uh, but we will get there. And I, I suppose a lot of guys are building things. Like there is, for example, Monolith, uh, who are like offering a credit card uh, where you can spend your crypto. They are working on token.com right now, a new application, a new DeFi application to onboard uh, like the general public into this kind of thing. So it's kind of like Coinbase offering direct access to DeFi product, but they never say it's DeFi. So yeah, definitely the goal to plug with this kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, thank you for diving into it. Yeah, it, the future is going to be really interesting to see um, you know how, how the bond market is disrupted by by protocols like yourself and if there's going to be basically 
Um, the future arbitrage opportunities will be between these protocols rather than kind of going to um, some of these government bond sales for some corporations. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, 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 and there will be, of course, uh, I, I was just uh, answering you just talking about general public, but I'm incorporating into that, like, of course, like B2B clients and basically everyone would just need uh, legal onboarding into this kind of uh, new product. So they need KYC, they need insurance. Uh, they need uh, de-risking mechanisms uh, to, to be sure that everything they are uh, deploying somewhere is legal. Uh, so they need that. They can't do, uh, like they can't do it another way. So yeah, it's really important to work on that. But we won't work directly on that kind of issue, I think. Like it's uh, probably better to work in collaboration with someone else who has like the proper license to do that. For example, Cresco, they have a banking license in uh, Switzerland, so they are able to do that uh, fully legally. And us, we are like just for like everyone, uh, we are just an intermediary into all of that. We are non-custodial. Uh, we are like just, it's the end user who control whatever happened to their capital into 88 There is no server, there is like nothing. Uh, it's just smart contract that redirect and bridge your capital with underlying application while doing the lending business and borrowing business. Gotcha. Did uh, did you say you guys are partnered with SIC? You all work through SIC? Mm, not sure. Uh, what is SIC? No, I maybe I misheard you. Um, you said you guys partner. Uh, it, it cut out. You said you partnered with something. It sounded like it was SIC. Oh, maybe I was like uh, referring to Cresco, Cresco Finance. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so we, we want to partner with this kind of guys, uh, also like partnering with everyone who is uh, doing yield aggregation business, our centralized finance product. Um, so yeah, we are building everything around this kind of use case where it's really easy for a developer to, 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 to build something and deploy funds on 88MPH, mainly for improving the accountancy uh, burden for, for them. Hey, McFly, I'm curious, like what type of data are you, are you guys collecting um, on the users that are using NPH? Uh, what kind of data we are collecting on the users of 88MPH? Yeah. Uh, not at all. Uh, we are not like, there is no cookie, there is nothing we are, as far as I know, we didn't inject anything uh, into the, the client side. Uh, we are not using any analytics tools. Um, so yeah, everything is fully on-chain, so we don't really need, uh, like after like there is some Dune analytics stuff or um, yeah, stuff like that, but it's all fully pseudo-anonymous. Um, so yeah, we are not really oriented uh, into this kind of, uh, data analyst stuff uh, so far. Maybe we should uh, to better target stuff or I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, we are not connecting any any name or any email or anything related to KYC or AML stuff. 
maybe we yeah, yeah. maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, it's an error that uh, yeah we are not doing that yeah i know i know a lot of our audience is like concerned about privacy so always like to um, understand what type of data protocols are collecting so it's good to hear that you guys are uh, aren't collecting too much information like that no yeah uh, hey, McFly, switching gears for a little bit, um, could you kind of touch on the tokenomics at a high level? Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of get into more about how the governance is in charge of like the new issuance um, and governance of the treasury. Mm -hmm. Yep, sure. So yeah, there is this uh, native token that we call MPH. Um, we are distributing the MPH when someone uses the platform. Let's say you want to deposit some money in exchange for using the platform, you will get vested MPH rewards uh, that are linearly uh, distributed to your wallet. So let's say you want to deposit today 100 DAI, and we with this 100 DAI, you will get one MPH. Uh, but this one MPH will be vested to you over the duration of your deposit. So if you deposit uh, your capital for one year, you will, you will have fully vested your one MPH after one year. So it's the way we distribute the MPH currently. So it's minted directly according to the user activity. And it's the same for the yield token uh, side on V3. Uh, if you are buying some yield token, you get some rewards uh, in MPH and they are, uh, they are distributed when the yield token mature. Um, so you can, what you can do with this MPH uh, the first thing, it's kind of a vehicle for socializing the protocol revenue. So we share 100% of the protocol revenue with our MPH stakers. Uh, and the other thing is you get voting rights for uh, when you deposit, when you stake your MPH uh, on 88MPH V3, you get XMPH. So it's basically the same system as uh, SushiSwap. You deposit, you stake MPH for XMPH and this XMPH represents your uh, staking balance and it's uh, also auto compounding so you don't need to do anything uh, and uh, you get voting rights at the end um the maybe the details you want to know regarding the protocol revenue from where it comes um so there is different sources of uh, revenue for 88 mph there is the protocol fee the platform fees when someone uh, withdraw early for example their deposit we are applying on v3 a 0.5 percent withdrawal fee um, if you withdraw early if you withdraw at maturity there is no fee of course uh, so there is this 0.5 percent on the principal the money you withdraw uh, there is also when we distribute the interest rate to our users there is a 10 percent cut on the amount of fixed interest rate we are just we are paying out to our users so these fees are directly 100% distributed to the MPH stakers. And the other big stream of revenue for us is uh, as we are using Compound, uh, Aave, Harvest, and other protocol after, uh, under the hood for generating the yield, we are able to harvest some comp token, some staked Aave comp, uh, token, uh, farm token also because we are using Harvest also for some pools. So all of that, uh, what we are currently doing is we are just, we are basically dumping them uh, to buy die, and we distribute what we call cash dividend to our stakers. Um, we will do a bit differently the things in V3. Uh, 
um, we will uh, buy back the MPH on the market with this, uh, with this asset. So we will sell comp for MPH and we will distribute more MPH to the MPH takers. But right now in the community, there is this kind of discussion regarding meta governance. As we are uh, able to collect a lot of comp, a lot of uh, stake Ave, we can have kind of build up our power into this external uh, protocol where we can have an interest in terms of doing politics uh, in this kind of uh, uh, governance DAO stuff on Compound or Ave for deciding, for example, the next uh, cycle of rewards or who get what, which pool get what kind of interest or how it works, this kind of thing. So it's an interesting concept. Some, uh, some discussion are currently happening for other protocol with this kind of meta governance directly managed by the community. So it's a governance treasury who is also doing to kind of like starting doing politics in other protocol. So we will explore that way also with uh, 88MPH on V3. Uh, where we will uh, let's decide the community what they want to do with the protocol revenue. Do we keep a certain percentage and we want uh, to influence uh, the improvement and the direction of our protocol we are using under the hood or we distribute for like every, like it's a bi-weekly um, distribution of rewards for the stakers. So we, we let the community decide every two weeks what they want to do with the protocol revenue generated so far. Do we keep a certain percentage? Do, do we keep everything? Do we distribute everything? It will depend what the community wants. Uh, and after, of course, uh, we will allow the community to uh, snapshot what, what we need to vote on, uh, on compound, for example, if we have some comp. Uh, it will be something really interesting to make the governance more dynamic into 88MPH. Um, and we have a progressive uh, view on the decentralization of a protocol. Uh, currently, the insurance rate of newly minted MPH is controlled by the core team. But it's uh, this kind of parameter, system parameter, we want to hand over to the governance. But yeah, we wanted to stabilize a bit the, the protocol before handing over this kind of system parameter to, to the community and making sure that the token distribution uh, is kind of fairly distributed between everyone. Kind of like right now, it's uh, close to, to being the case uh, in terms of token holders. We have probably around 5,000 token holders. So it's a bit more distributed than at the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, so the goal is to progressively decentralize this kind of a system parameter to the, to the community. Currently, what we are just we are just doing some proposal uh, to improve uh, stuff or changes uh, between the V2 and the V3. People signal what they want. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah the, maybe it's a naive way of doing governance, uh, but it's probably what makes us uh, flexible in terms of development. Uh, but yeah, after some time, we will need to, to kind of decentralize 100% all of that for sure. That's awesome. Uh, thank you for diving into that. And I, last point on this, because um, I know we have a few more topics to get into. Um, I want to be mindful of your time. It, it's going to be an interesting future to see DAOs working strategically and kind of like 
like you had touched on, um, creating these like strategic partnerships across the industry and integrating um, in that type of way. I'd be curious, like, are there any uh, other protocols right now that the, the DAO has kind of identified to potentially make a move on strategically collaborating with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's like the things that are currently happening is uh, mainly with yield aggregators. Uh, so the majority of them right now, what they ask is you need to have a new, like the new version you are releasing on mainnet, you need to have it at least on mainnet since a certain amount of time. Let's say for Idle, for example, uh, Idle Finance, uh, they, are, they have this risk framework when they decide, oh, we will build a new strategy, we will deploy some TVL uh, on that protocol. It needs to be at least on mainnet since the last three months. Uh, also, the way you manage your um, uh, governance treasury and the multi-sig controlling uh, the architectures of your smart contracts, uh, that need to be a multi-sig with at least uh, a structure of signature of uh, on three on five or uh, six on nine. So we are not yet there because like, we plan to release the 88MPH v3 uh, right after the, the end of our uh, trail of bit audits, uh, it's ending this Friday. So after that, we we will just wait uh, trail of bits to release the the final report, and we will be ready to launch this V3. So it's a question of days right now, and after that, uh, we will work with this kind of yield aggregators to build strategy on top of that. But maybe as you know, a lot of uh, protocol who are deploying TVL on the other protocol, they are generally starting decentralizing the way the strategy are built and the way uh, the decision regarding which strategy to activate uh, is activated or not via like signaling on Snapchat or community vote. So I think it's like this meta governance stuff, uh, it's starting to be more and more important for this reason also if you want to have a kind of control on who is doing what with rtvl uh, you need to have uh, some power in hand or like at least someone delegating some power to you to decide to influence over protocol and to to yeah influence their asset management basically McFly, uh, when it comes to submitting new proposals and ideas to the DAO, what does that process look like for users of MPH? Yeah, good question. Um, like the, the process we, we have in place since February 2021 is uh, you post on the forum, uh, you post your proposal, it's a draft, uh, you request a comment on this draft, for at least seven days uh, and after that uh, if everyone is uh, happy with the draft we move along and we post that uh, proposal on snapshot and uh, users are able to vote uh, with uh, their mph on the on the on the snapshot on the proposal so they have three days for doing that um, and after we implement uh, the, the, the proposal, if it's an improvement or it's a, a, a different way of doing things. Uh, so it can be everything, basically. Um, after, it, yeah, it just needs to make sense for the, the community. And uh, 
we are applying right now a naive quadratic voting to, to the snapshot. So there is no, no control of um, uh, identity there, uh, but um, probably we will do a bit different. We will do a bit different the, the snapshot on V3 uh, because you will be able to vote with your XMPH. Uh, with the quadratic voting, it's a bit tricky to have uh, a real quorum. Uh, so yeah, there is some constraint to, to kind of have this kind of vote. So maybe we will uh, make change there for V3. Got it. And with with the XMPH, is there a limited like kind of? Uh, do you need a minimum amount of tokens in order to vote, or even if I hold just one token, can I uh, participate? No, you can participate with whatever amount you have. Oh, that's awesome. Love, I love that uh, community involvement. Um, I also saw that you guys had like, were co-oping with different insurance partners, uh, like InsureAce, Insure Network, Cover Protocol. Um, how does this like fit into the MPH ecosystem? Yeah, um, so we, we are offering this kind of uh, coverage to our users, but it's the users who are purchasing the coverage for smart contract risk uh, on their behalf. Um, so is probably right now are too expensive in terms of premium for covering the smart contract risk for some uh, of the protocol who are offering this kind of coverage for 88MPH. Uh, the other thing is also because it's not natively included uh, when you deposit. So I think the next step for uh, everyone involved in this kind of insurance business and the DeFi protocol out there like us is to find a way to directly integrate natively when someone deposits. Oh, do you want this uh, two premium coverage, two percent premium coverage on your deposit for this risk and this risk? Uh, check this box and you get the, the coverage directly when you deposit at the same time. So I think it's the next move for everyone. Um, I, I know that like, for example, InsureAce is working on that. There is Bridge Mutual also working on this kind of, uh, of tool to allow DeFi protocol to directly natively offer this kind of, uh, of product, insurance product. So yeah, that, that's like currently is just basic insurance product you buy it for covering your deposit on 88mph smart contracts but yeah that's just uh, that's just that and i we don't see a lot of traction currently for uh, for this kind of coverage so yeah there's probably way to 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 improve all of that yeah i personally love the idea of it being integrated and i think that that really would improve the the user experience um, and just overall, you, you know, usage of the insurance uh, protocols within your mm -hmm. within your platform. So I, I think that that's that's a really good idea. Um, yeah, the, 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 yeah. The, the other thing you can like, we want to work also uh, on a way for eighty uh, mph to directly have some reserve for uh, uh, covering uh, bad stuff happening. Uh, so having this kind of reserve where you are able to tap into if there is something wrong happening and you are able to at least cover, I don't know, like let's say just $2,000 uh, worth of deposit to our end user. 
Uh, it's also another way to explore. It's not really scalable, uh, but at least it's kind of uh, having this uh, minimum coverage that you can offer to your to to your end user to make them more comfortable. Uh, to yeah, kind of improve the way you make the acquisition of new TVR. There is way to work around, and it's uh, it's a bit like the story of uh, the early beginning of banks uh, at the early 20th century or like the end of the 19th century when there was like a crazy boom in terms of the, of banks, especially in the U.S., where everyone was trying to offer the best. Uh, trusted bank possible, but there wasn't like uh, any uh, any federal insurance for, for your deposit. So you needed to create your own system. Um, so some banks were doing just that. So maybe it's uh, also a way for DeFi to develop as the bank uh, in the early 20th century also, like trying to, to make, the, yeah, like an in-house uh, loss reserve or an in-house um, insurance product. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a pretty based idea because you know a lot of new users are probably concerned around the safety um, of their assets and what they're loaning out. So, um, and they might be really skeptical uh, to onboard into DeFi. So, if we can break that barrier and provide another layer of trust, uh, we could probably start onboarding a whole new set of users um, just generally into the ecosystem. So, I think that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and you already see it with uh, protocol who are making wall their users, even if there is a hack. Uh, if you have a governance treasury who is like really uh, huge, uh, you can have yeah. Basically, it's all right, but nobody is really saying that. Oh, it's an insurance. We just make wall our users, or we find a way to make wall our users, uh, like. Uh, yeah, uh, there was Rari Capital who did that a, a few weeks ago. Uh, today there is a Popsicle who have some issue with uh, their, their, their tools. So probably they will figure out something uh, coming from the governance treasury or the dev fund or other way to kind of use the capital, uh, yeah, the capital available in the, in the protocol to, to make more their users. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. Kind of switching switching gears a little bit here. Um, I saw that you guys had performed multiple audits um, with MPH, including audits uh, auditors uh, like Quantstamp. Uh, can you kind of talk to us about like the auditing process and, and what that was like? Yep. So yeah, we we got different experience with. Uh... Yeah, we were working with Constamp, Certic, PeckShield, um, and I don't remember others, but um, the the current way we are seeing this kind of uh, help, external help, um, we prefer to go with just the top tier. Right now we are working with uh, Trade-off Bits, for example. I'm not saying that uh, it's not uh, it's not um, a good idea to work with Quantstamp or PeckShield or others. But I think everyone is working differently and you see different way of managing, assessing the risk, uh, assessing your code and helping you uh, build a better way of developing uh, your product. So right now we are working with Trade-off Bits. We see a lot of difference, the way they handle their, uh, their workflow. Uh, we are pretty happy with that and that's cool. 
another thing where we are really excited uh, is platform of auditors, like uh, the one you can have uh, with uh, code 423 M4. It's a community of auditors where you post a security bounty. You have a project manager assigned for this bounty and is managing everyone who is submitting some uh, reports of issue uh, and trying to uh, classify, categorize the issue found. Uh, oh, that one is cr critical, that one is high, this one is medium, this one is low. And you discuss with the auditor. So you have a lot of different pair of eyes looking at your code and not just one auditor uh, that you pay super, uh, super, like, yeah, a big number of money uh, to just have one auditor for one or two weeks. Uh, so when you use this kind of platform, you will have let's say five or six or 10 percent looking at your code uh, with different way of uh, uh, seeing yeah some hole in your codes or a different point of view basically on what you are doing and also the, one of the most important things for us right now in terms of security management is having immunify uh, immunify is uh, a platform that allow you to post security bounty also uh, currently, we have one for the Rinkaby, the V3 Rinkaby. We have a specific one where we are offering up to $100,000 worth of uh, bounty for someone submitting a critical uh, issue on the 88MPH V3 smart contract. So it was also an help for us to, to improve the, the code on 88MPH V3 alongside the audits. I'm not saying that you don't need to do any more audits, uh, but you need to have a, a broader approach uh, regarding security or you handle that internally, of course, but uh, working with auditors and working with uh, external independent security experts who are just like, they want to help you for some days and after they do something else. So it's kind of the, the kind of things that, uh, that uh, yeah, will be the, the next uh, evolution for us in terms of security management. Yeah, I think the bounty concept is uh, an interesting idea, um, you know, because it really would encourage, like, you're incentivizing people to explore your code and, and find the bugs. And uh, like you said, you can kind of get a wide array of eyes um, on the on the on the code. Um, so yeah, I think that that's that's pretty based. I'll definitely have to look into look into that more. Um, check out check out that project. Um, also curious if you can, I know you guys are obviously collaborating with Chainlink. Um, you gotta give us like a little bit of like a sneak peek to like what you're going to be talking about, um, at SmartCon and how, um, uh, MPH is going to be using, uh, Chainlink. Um, yeah, so basically we will, we will integrate in V3, uh, uh, a keeper. Um, so it will just help us for updating some uh, on-chain interest oracle we are using. Uh, and yeah, after we, we will see how we can continue working with uh, with Chainlink after. But so like for regarding the smart, uh, uh, smart conference is yeah just to talk about non-illegal stuff got it no that makes sense um and then i also saw that you guys sponsored uh like the spring uh chain link hackathon i was curious like 
um, why you guys chose to actually sponsor the event. Mm, can you repeat that? The Akmoni event? You are yeah, saying? yeah. I saw you guys were a sponsor of the Chainlink Hackathon. Was that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We, 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 during the spring, we were sponsoring the Chainlink Hackathon also. Uh, the, the strategy right now to, to find new collaborators and to grow the, the ecosystem of ETMPH is um, sponsoring a lot of uh, Hackathon, uh, sponsoring, uh, posting different bounties also, let's say, uh, for example, on Gitcoin. Uh, today we we are announcing our participation in the new Open DeFi hackathon organized by uh, Gitcoin, uh, and we will work uh, during the the fall and the winter for over ETH Global hackathon, uh, and also yeah I think it's important to be at some events uh, where there is developers but also yeah partners uh, like uh, we were at EFCC we were a sponsor at EFCC. So we met a lot of guys there. Uh, we'll try to be in Lisbon also. If Lisbon, if uh, this thing happen in uh, in October, it will be awesome. It's uh, September or October, I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, we will uh, love to to meet uh, everyone there for sure. Very cool. Um, and I guess like a more a more future forward question, like what what's your vision for NPH say like in in like the next five years? I know like the next five years is probably a lot. <laughs> in this space, but like, where do you, where do you see MPH going uh, from here? Mm, I, I suppose it will mm, probably not, it won't be a direct uh, front facing uh, application for retail users. Uh, we see it more as a base layer for others to build something on top of us. Uh, like we were discussing before, this kind of uh, CFI uh, products were like currently popping in the market, um, and there is new new player entering the field every day. Uh, so making a direct competition with them, I don't think it makes sense. But being a tool for them and offering the best developer experience for them, I think it's a it's the way to go after that. And just being like, yeah. Uh, I don't like this name, but like a DeFi primitive, uh, like a base layer for 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 others to build on top. Very cool. Um, super Chase, do you guys have any additional thoughts from the Kwai? None other than uh, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and going in depth about uh, 88 MPH. Yeah, I don't have anything else either. Um, I'm excited to follow your guys' journey from here, though. It sounds like you guys got a lot going on um, and doing a lot of really cool things in, in DeFi that a lot of people aren't even thinking about. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was really cool to talk with you guys. Um, not sure. Are, are you recording this kind of things? It would be awesome to, to share it with our community also. Uh, when uh, when I, I'm, I'm not sure if... Yeah, we we retweeted that, uh, but we sh just showed yesterday the, the the event of today. But uh, yeah, it would be cool to share that with uh, with our community also after. Yeah, these are these are recorded. So yeah, appreciate you uh, you asking that. We'll we'll post it up on our YouTube page, and uh, I'll send you the link once it's live. Awesome, cool, perfect. 
So yeah, thanks for your time, everyone. Uh, really, really cool. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward for for yeah next uh, next uh, launch, next uh, live if you want uh, to have us again uh, when we'll be live with a V3. It would be a pleasure. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you again, McFly. Yeah, thank you so much, McFly. Stay based. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. All right. Thanks, guys.